Chapter twenty four of Energy and Vibration. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in April two thousand eleven. Nature's Miracles, Volume two Energy and Vibration by Elisha Gray. Chapter twenty four Mirage. A light ray, in passing from one transparent medium to another, differing in density, is bent at the point it enters. This bending of the light ray is called refraction. If we put a stick into the water at an angle with its surface, the stick will appear to bend upward at the point it enters the water, while the light ray really bends downward. We ought to have a diagram to make it plain, but if you will follow me closely, I will try to give you a mental picture of the phenomenon. First, place a tank, something like an aquarium, filled with water in a dark room. Admit a small beam of sunshine through the shutter, striking the top of the water at an angle, say, of 45 degrees. If the room is dark, you can see the beam of light as it passes through the air, for it illuminates the particles of dust floating in the air. When it strikes the surface of the water, it is bent downward. Now let us put a coin on the bottom of the tank just where the beam of light strikes it, and put a screen of some opaque substance on the side of the tank from which the beam of light comes, and raise it up till it just touches the lower edge of the light ray. Stretch a string along the path of the beam of light and fasten it at both ends so as to mark its angle and position. Now open the shutter and flood the room with light. Place your eye in the path of the beam that is now marked by the string and you can see the coin of the bottom of the tank although it is really hidden by the screen if you look toward it in a straight line. The coin will appear to be in a direct line with the string, but it is not. Leave the string, coin and screen in position and run the water off, and then place your eye in the same position as before when you saw the coin, and you will find that you cannot see it, for it is hidden behind the screen. Draw a line to the bottom of the tank, in line with the string, and the point where it strikes the bottom is where the coin appeared to be. Place another coin at this point, so that you can just see it over the top of the screen if you look from the same point as before. Now fill the tank with water again and look from the same viewpoint, and, lo, the first coin has come into view in line with the string, while the second has moved forward out of line with the string. You observe then that by this means we can see around a corner. But the object under these conditions is never where it appears to be, for it will always appear to be in a direct line with the direction that the light ray that is reflected from the object enters the eye. Light is refracted differently in different media. It is refracted as it passes through the air, unless the air is the same density all the way from the object to the eye. If we are looking through the air and there is a gradual change of density between us and the object we see, 
there will be a gradual curve in the reflected light coming from the object to us, and the object will be appear to be in the direction that the light enters our eyes. The distance its true position will be from where it appears to be will depend upon the amount of change in the density of the media through which we are looking. This phenomenon we call mirage. Many times those of us who live on the lake shore have seen this phenomenon when looking off on the horizon on a summer day. Sometimes the sand hills of Michigan City, on the east shore of Lake Michigan, may be seen from the opposite shore looming up in the air, when in fact a straight line drawn from a point on the shore at Michigan City and elevated just enough to clear the surface of the water would clear the treetops on the opposite shore. So that, when we see the sand hills from the west shore, we see by curved rays of light extending across the lake. Sometimes an image of the water line on the horizon will be thrown up into the air, with perhaps a picture of a ship on it, and we often can see the sky under the ship picture, but not the ship itself, of which that is a reflection. Many times we see the sun after it is below the horizon by these refracted rays. There is another phenomenon that is called mirage that may be seen on sandy plains or deserts on any very hot day. The sand becomes very much heated and a stratum of heated air is formed close to the ground which makes the density of the air increase upward for a distance, forming a line of condensation which acts as a reflecting surface for light and it has the appearance of smooth water. Anyone seeing it for the first time will declare that it is water, and in fact the deception is perfect, as I have occasion to know. I was once travelling through what is called Smoky Valley in Nevada on a hot day. About two o'clock in the afternoon we came in sight of a large body of water many miles in extent, as it appeared to me. It was a lake of wondrous beauty with a smooth surface. The mountains and trees were reflected in the water in inverted position, as all of us have seen in other bodies of smooth water. I imagined that I could see towns and cities scattered along the distant shores, and the deception was so perfect that for the time I could not believe it was not what it seemed. My companions were natives, and, knowing that I was a tenderfoot, were disposed to have little fun and they had it. They had names for the towns, as well as the lake, and I got a lot of information regarding the industries carried on there. I could discern sails in the haze of the distance, and imagined I could see moving trains and hear the whistle of locomotives. After I had enjoyed the spectacle for an hour or more, as we jogged slowly along in our wagon, and the natives had had untold fun in a quiet way, the whole thing suddenly picked itself up and got out of sight. I knew then that I had been witnessing an unusually fine exhibition of mirage on the desert. There is another kind of mirage that is much more common than the natural phenomenon that I have been describing, and while it does not strictly belong in the category of natural science, there is a sense in which it does. It may be styled mental mirage, 
and consists in the distorted conceptions of various subjects and things that we see through a distorted mental atmosphere which is largely one of our own creation man is to a large extent a creature of circumstances and environment not wholly as that would take away his free agency and make him in no sense the architect of his own fortune every man of strong individuality is the latter to a large extent but he is a strong man indeed who can resist successfully the moulding influence first of heredity and after that the almost irresistible power of education in any particular line he cannot resist entirely the prejudices of early training and surroundings whether they appeal to his reasoning powers or not this is especially true when applied to the dogmas of religious sects and the so-called principles of political parties the average good citizen of any religious sect or political party sees clearly in common with his brethren of other sects and parties in direct lines through the atmosphere of common interest common brotherhood and sometimes common sense but as soon as the rays of his mental vision strike some denser or it may be rarer medium of prejudice of party church or society affiliation a refraction takes place and we have the phenomenon of mental mirage the truth may lie in a direct line ahead but he is really seeing in a different direction because of the refracting or distorting power of a prejudice science has no prejudices though scientists often do science is like figures they do not lie themselves but the men who figure are often the greatest liars in the world science per se is formulated truth its aim is to get at the truth about everything taking this view of science it is the most important study that men ever engaged in so much of human effort has been and is spent in combating things that are non-essential that too little cooperative work is done in the direction of determining the great essential truths in one of the chapters on sound it was shown how one musical tone of the same power and pitch and even of the same quality as that of another just like it may be entirely obliterated by the manner in which they were sounded in relation to each other it was also shown that there was an easier way to sound both together so that each would reinforce the other and thus double the tone instead of the one entirely destroying the efficiency of the other so it is with human effort cooperation will accomplish wonders for good while the opposite only leaves a dark void that is the darker because of the misguided effort put forth that other men may have not only seen but have felt its blighting influence another phase of mirage as seen in natural phenomena is its complete deceptiveness and its ability owing to the peculiar atmosphere by which it is surrounded to stimulate the imagination in the hazy outlines ghosts of shapes become real things and the heated wave motion of the atmosphere easily gives life to imaginary men and animals and motion to sailing vessels and steam cars 
Mental mirage is more potent in its deceptiveness and more powerful in its influence over the imagination than its counterpart in the natural world, and has the disadvantage of not yielding so readily to the power of analysis and being so susceptible of explanation. One of the great advantages derived from the study of natural science is that it is usually studied for its own sake and for the object of arriving at the truth, whatever it is. The scientific investigator must have no prejudice not founded on fact, and when so founded, it is no longer a prejudice. He must not allow the religious dogma or the political principle to enter or become one of the factors in his search for truth, but when he has found the truth, it may shape the dogma, destroy or confirm the political principle, according as they are found to be in or out of harmony with the facts. Facts are stubborn things, and it is worse than useless to try to ignore them when once established. The man who uses scientific methods in studying all questions is a much safer man to follow than the man who starts out with certain preconceived notions of things. The former throws away all prejudice in his investigations, while the latter is constantly trying to find something to bolster up his preconceived notions. He generally thinks he finds what he is seeking for, but he usually finds them through the refracted vision of mental mirage. You may say that I have digressed from my subject in this chapter, but you will see if you go back and read the introductory chapter that I did not propose to adopt classroom methods, but said that if in the course of our study of natural laws we found any good illustration that had an application to the philosophy of everyday living, the privilege was reserved of stopping to discuss it. End of chapter 24